There's a, um, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter uh, 2 is the text where, where we're going to be at. And um, as we look at Ephesians chapter 2, we're going we're gonna to flow through this text um, gradually and, and just have a good time in it. And I truly believe um, God put this uh, passage in my heart, and, um, and uh, I'm not going to really bounce anywhere else, but we're going to stick on this together. And as Paul is writing and, and, and speaking to the church of Ephesus, there's a lot of good points here that he makes to the church and to us here today. And um, if you're taking notes, you can write this down as we start off in verse 1 of chapter 2. The message, it's, it's a funny title, but being that our series is addicted, um, we are in the last installment. This is the sixth installment. This is it. This is the last one, part six, the final one of addicted. And today's message is titled, Get High. I know it's awkward, but just write it down. <laughs> Get High. And I'm not talking about what you're probably thinking about. But you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, get high. And um, I really pray that you would get high on this stuff that I'm about to talk to you about. Um, let, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 so we could see what the Lord speaks to us through his text. In verse 1, Paul writes this, and I, and I want to relate this to you. He says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others, or, or it could say just as those in this world. But when we read verse 1, how many of us could say amen? And he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Can we say amen to that? I, I want to stop for a second and break down these three verses and, and relate it to us, apply it to our lives as we jump into this last part of our addicted um, messages. Because I love how the ESV study Bible um, quotes this, or not quotes, sorry, um, writes a point about these first three verses. And I'm going to share this with you. And it's this. It talks about how we are hopeless and helpless without Christ. How many of you would say agree? We are hopeless and helpless without Jesus. That's a fact. I'm hopeless and helpless. You know, there's a known quote, a famous quote, and you've probably said this maybe, and you've probably heard someone say this to you. And it's this. God helps those who help themselves. Probably heard that. What a false statement. Sorry, if you're like, amen, you're about to say Amen. But what an unbiblical false statement. God helps those who help themselves. Half the church would probably would have been like, amen, preach that. And it's not, it's not true. It's not even biblical. God helped those who help themselves. It's not even in the scriptures. It's not a biblical statement. It's actually a, a, a quote from ancient Greeks because the truth is the exact opposite. What does God help? Well, God helps the helpless. How many of you could say amen? So we could get that false phrase out of our minds right now. Because God is in the business of helping the helpless, the hopeless. And in verse 1, it tells us what? Well, he, exactly this. That we were helpless. That we were hopeless. Verse 1 tells us that we were actually what? Starts with a D. Anyone could guess it. Yeah. Doesn't get any more hopeless and helpless than that. You're dead. And verse 1 tells us 
We were dead, and that is spiritually dead. Because you're obviously here today, and you're like, well, I've never been dead. Right. Maybe not physically, but definitely spiritually. How many of you can say, yeah? So we were spiritually dead. But, but look what the verse continues to say. It says, though we were spiritually dead, he made us what? Anyone open to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1? He made us alive. So we were dead, but he made us alive. And I think that we've learned, as we're in our sixth week of this series, the obvious. And that is that Jesus makes us alive. How many of you can say amen? Jesus makes us alive. That whatever sin, whatever addiction, whatever, 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 that there is no true, genuine, long-term solution other than Jesus Christ. Christ who makes us alive. That's it, man. That is the answer of it all. And then he goes on in verse 2, and he breaks down, and he says this in verse 2. We were dead, right? Look how we were dead. Verse 2. We once walked according to the course of this world. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, you've seen it as what? You were once conformed to the pattern of this world, of the course of this world. One translation says it this way. Listen to this. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. Come on. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. Ever been there? You've ever done that? Are you doing that today? Well, I'll do whatever I want to do, however I want to do it, whenever I want to do it. Right? Living for self Living for self, instead of for the glory of God, you, you live to fulfill maybe self-pleasure and self-desires. And, and I want to I make sure I break this down because the person that continues in sin, the person that continues in addiction, the person who stays stuck in this, yeah, they can say all they want, hey, but, but we all sin and and God forgives us. We could all say that. Absolutely. They're right. Yeah, we all sin and God forgives us. But I want to break something down real quick to make sure I cover all bases here as I end off the series. And it's this. Yes, there is one who sins. But watch. There's a difference between committing sin and practicing sin. And I don't want anyone in this church to ever get that wrong and where we stand and where Scripture stands on this. Because you could commit sin... And then you could practice sin. Because the one who commits sin and is in relationship with God confesses their sin and repents. But then the one who practices, what, does, what do they do? Well, they do what they feel like doing when they feel like doing and how they feel like doing it. So real quick, now you could put yourself in one of those categories. Do you commit sin or do you practice sin? Are you the one that sins and lives life how you want to live it, where you want to live it, whenever you want to live it? Or are you one that when you sin, you confess your sin to God and you repent because you know you've done wrong before the glory of God? Come on, church. There's a difference between committing and practicing. And I want to make sure you understand that. Because the world has done something. And the world has made themselves think that they're all going to heaven. And we know for a fact that not everyone is going to heaven. Just because your family goes to church. Just because your parents told you about God. It doesn't 
mean you're going to heaven. Hell is going to become really real to some people because they've decided to live a life practicing sin and not repenting for the sin that they've committed. Does everyone understand that? Should I continue to preach that a little bit more? We need to understand where we are with our addictions in our lives, with our sins in our lives, because they stay, these kind of individuals that stay practicing in sin, they stay in that, they stay addicted, they, they continue to flirt with those things and intoxicate themselves in those things, but not the believer. Because scripture here in verse 2, as we read verse by verse, what does it teach us? It says this, we once walked, we once walked according to the course of this world. Hey, real quick, if you walk and you live and you do everything the way that the rest of the world does it, then you're not in the believer category. Because the believer, verse 2, Paul says what? They, everyone say once. Yeah, they used to walk according to the course of this world. So if there is no difference between you and the rest of your family, you and the rest of your friends, you and the rest of society, that's a big warning and it's a big alert that you're still walking in the course of this world. Heaven is going to miss you. You're going to miss it. Are you guys with me? So the one that is in Christ used to walk in the addictions or used to walk in the sin we used to walk in the course of this world what do we do we no longer live that way walk that way we're no longer living in the same manner so we need to grasp this as we as we jump into this text because the believer once walked not any longer N notice this let's let's keep reading here as we read verse uh, 2, it's, it's a powerful passage in verse 2. Notice, notice what's, what we want, what we used to walk in. Ready? Anyone have their Bibles open? We once walked according to the what? Yeah. We once walked according to the prince of the power of the air. We once walked according to the spirit who now works in the sons of what? So we once walked according to the prince and to the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. When you look at these, uh, these words, prince and spirit, it is referring to Satan here. And the way that Satan dominates mankind and dominates human lives. You probably know someone that struggles. You probably know someone that is addicted. You probably know someone that is in a black hole lost. You probably... Maybe you are that person or you know someone like that. And wouldn't you admit this? Yeah, I've seen how their lives have been dominated by a power that is more powerful than them. And here is Paul, and he's saying, according, that's what we walked, according to the prince, to the spirit of this world, who worked in the sons of disobedience. Here, we used to be called sons of disobedience. Those who are led in this sin and in Satan are called sons of disobedience. I love what Luke chapter 16, um, verse 8 teaches us. If you have time, go to it later on today. But in Luke 16, 8, these sons of disobedience are also called the sons of this world. I love that. Because all over scripture passages, we recognize that we're not of this world, but we're of another world. Don't we not? In that same passage in Luke 16, what a contrast between us and the sons of this world. Check this out. Sons of disobedient, sons of this world. In another passage, there's going to be another one 
called sons of wrath. But, but watch this. All over scripture, when we're in Christ, when we've been set free, we are actually called sons of light. Wow. So I went from a son of darkness, from sons of disobedience, to what a contrast. Now I'm a son of light. Because addiction is a dark place. And for some of you, we've had maybe six, well, today's a six, so I won't count. We've had five weeks of doing this stuff. And maybe within those five weeks, we've had four altar calls. And for some of us, we've struggled and we still haven't come up to an altar call to receive freedom from a certain addiction or sin that has you controlled. And here we are on the sixth week. And how much longer will we drown in sin? How much longer will we drown in a sin that has conquered us, overpowered us, in an addiction, in an ungodliness, in a dark place, in immorality, which is all signs of darkness? But to lift up our spirits, verse 1 is beautiful. Because once we walked according to this, verse 1 says what? He made us alive. So we're no longer categorized as or confined to or called this. We're no longer called children of darkness any longer. He's made us alive. He's made us alive from out of the darkness, out of the sin, out of the addiction. And he's made us alive and he's made us sons of light. And if we can see this truth today, if, if those that we know that are struggling can see this today, this truth today, if we can just get out of our low state and get high on this, if we could recognize this, that if we could get ourselves up on this, that he's made us alive and he's made us sons of light, man, your walk would be so much stronger. And if you're not there, I pray that you will get up on this and that you will be made alive. And that you will be a son of light. I love verse 3. I'm going to read it according to the way the ESV writes it. But it sounds a lot like who I was and probably like who you were before you met Jesus. Look at verse 3. Among we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. How many of you once lived like that? I lived according to the passions of my flesh. Maybe you're here like, I don't want to raise my hand because I'm still kind of living under the passions of my flesh. Don't worry about it. There's going to be some hope today. It says, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and we're by nature, we were by nature, by, wait, we were by nature automatically what? I told you I was in line. So we're children of disobedience, children of this world. By nature, we're children of wrath. <laughs> And then it says this, like the rest of mankind. Um, I think in these days we've seen that our world has become tragically immoral more than ever. This mankind has become dark more than ever. Uh, uh, I put on the news another shooting in Lafayette. Nine get shot, two killed because they went to go watch a movie. 21-year-old and a 33-year-old. Crazy stuff, man. People walking into churches... Laws being passed that are against biblical teachings, which our country was once founded on. We are in a very dark place. Our country is addicted to sin. And here it says this, we, 
once lived in the passions of our flesh, the desires of the body and the mind, and by nature we were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Man, this passage is so powerful. Church, listen to this. We were born and we lived in a fallen state. We were born and we lived in a fallen state, in a fallen state that as we entered it, we entered some dark places, some serious sins, some dark addictions, some dark habits. And by nature, we were polluted. And scripture says we are called children of wrath, ready to receive God's condemnation by nature. There was nothing that you could do by nature. You just started to adapt into the sin culture. And, and that's kind of what our friends have done and our families have done and people around us have done. And if you don't protect your heart and watch your life and live in the word of God, you very, very quickly could start to steer off and, and bam, go back because by nature you were and you are and you know the things that are of wrath and things that are of darkness. Have you not noticed when you spend away time from church, your heart becomes a little numb and you start turning into darkness again? And you're like, I don't know what happened to me. I'll tell you what happened to you. You stop praying and you recognize there's a difference. You start reading the word and you recognize that there's a difference on you. Man, this is what I'm praying for as we get into the, some good stuff here in verse 4 and 5 and on. I, I really pray that you get high on this. Well, what do you want me to get high on? Rigo, pastor, what do you want me to get high on? If you're going to get high and addicted on anything, I want it to be verse 4 and 5. Guys, look at verse 4. After everything, all the sour stuff, right? No one likes sour messages, but it's truth. All the stuff that makes you cringe, you know, when you had one of those little, uh, one of those things called those airheads, those sour, whatever the heck they were called, you put them in your mouth. I do it to my son. We go out to eat at a restaurant, cut up a piece of lime, I stick in his mouth, and my son does this. The beginning part of this message is that, is God. But we got to hear that. We got to know the truth, and we got to get high, especially on these next two verses. After everything that I've just said, after I just admitted that maybe you're sitting here and you are a children of disobedience, a children of wrath, a child of this world, or maybe you once were, and, and, and you're struggling here again, I want you to get high on this. Verse 4, come on, everyone. But God, who is rich and mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. That's good right there. Come on, no amens today? God, who is rich and mercy, because of his great love in which he loved us. Look at verse 5. Even, everyone say even. Yeah, I, I love Jesus. Watch this. Even when we were dead, in sin, in trespasses, even when I was dead, even when I was addicted, even when I was in sin. Look at the next part. Look at the next part. Come on. He made us you guys could drink some coffee next Sunday. He made us alive together with Christ. And then it says this, by grace you have been saved. This is good stuff here. Because verses 1, 2, and 3 are drilling me and telling me that, that you need Jesus. Because without Jesus, without him making you alive, there, there's this truth that you need to recognize. You're, 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 you're in disobedience, you're in darkness, you're in sin. But, 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 but verse 4 says, but in God, you're rich in mercy. In God, his great love has been poured on you. In God, even when you were dead in your sin, he makes you alive, not alone, but together with Jesus. Oh, by the way, through grace, you've been saved. I don't know if you caught these two verses. I don't know if you really understand these two verses. But I want you to 
catch this today, that when we were children of wrath by nature, God, listen to this, who is rich in mercy and his great love, loved us. And when we were dead, he made us alive with Christ. And I look at that and I say, this is it. This is it, that his grace has saved me. And I want everyone to write this down if you're taking notes. In his grace, we experience these verses. Write this down. In his grace, we experience, number one, the riches of his mercy. In his grace, we experience, number two, the great love he has for us. How many of you can say amen? And number three, in his grace, we experience that when we were dead, he made us what? He made us alive. Not alone, but who better than alive together with Christ? I'm going to make a point for a moment. Because as, before I make this point, you know, uh, I've been drilling that it's our last week on Addicted. It's our last week in this series. And how much longer are we going to hold on to this? And then he's going to come up. And what a, what a powerful song to, to sing today during worship. Because it's funny because Maori came up here and I said, I feel like doing the same thing that Maori did. And I'm going to probably do it. My wife always tells me, come on, you always sing anyways when you preach. And my sister always makes fun of me because I always break out in song in the middle of whatever the heck I'm doing. But we sang a part in that song. I don't know if you caught it, but we kept singing it. And we kept saying, whoa, whoa, how great your love is for me. Whoa, whoa, that's powerful. And, and I don't know if you heard that, but, but this is powerful because in this passage here, we receive the riches of his mercy. We receive a great love that he has for us. Watch this. Follow with me again. Even, everyone say even. When, say when, I was dead. Yeah. Even when I was dead. Say this now. He made me alive. Together with Jesus. That when I was in an addiction and when I was in a sin and when I was in a dark place, even in that, he made me alive anyway. That, that's why I started off with this quote that is so false, that is so unbiblical. God helps those who help themselves. Baloney. Okay? Because God doesn't help those who help themselves. Because the Bible says that even when I was dead, He made me alive. Oh, how great is Your love for me. Oh, think about that. How great is that love for me? That when I was not thinking about becoming alive. Not when I was on a machine. Not when they were giving me CPR. When I was basking in death, even when I was dead, he made me alive. With Jesus Christ. Ah, how can I not say, whoa, whoa, how can I not sing that? 
How can you not sing that? How can you not believe that? As Danny sings that, I want to I make a point. Because scripture says that he's made us alive together with Christ. Listen to me. You might be in love with someone. But they necessarily are. They don't have to be in love with you. You can love someone, but it doesn't mean that that someone loves you. And you can tell the whole world how much you're in love. And how sad that that person doesn't love you back. And you can live in that dream and you can confess those things. And you can even say that you're with that person. But yet that person has checked out a long time ago. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. When God made us alive, it wasn't just in Christ. Paul says that when God made us alive, it wasn't in Christ only, but it was was with Christ. Totally different wordage there. You see, the love and the life that I have in Christ is no longer on my own, but it's now shared with Jesus. It's shared with Christ. What, What do you mean by that? That now we live together, we love together, we walk together, and both are checked into this relationship. I'll break it down some more. This is what makes our faith different than all other faiths. Listen. I don't have to kill my enemies. I don't have to go on a shooting spree. I don't have to drive a plane into a building and kill so many to gain a paradise and acceptance from my God. I don't need to do that in my faith. You and I, we don't have to meditate to reach a level of consciousness to reach our God. We don't have to do that. You and I, we don't need to go to a man who sins just like me, just like you to receive and recite a prayer to find my redemption. I mean, we could go down with all the beliefs in this world. But church, through the book of Ephesians, God teaches us that that He's made us alive together with Christ. That He's just not made us alive in Him, but also with Him. So now I share my life with Him, my strengths with Him. The beautiful thing is also my weaknesses with him. I don't serve a God that just loves me in my strength. I serve a God who also loves me in my weakness. Whoa, 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 whoa. How great is your love for me? Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. love God while questioning if God loves me 
But shoot, man, we got Muslims in this world that they love their God, but they're questioning whether their God loves them. I mean, we got people in this world who are looking for acceptance from a power, from a source, from a God. And I just told you that God loves me just as much in my strength as he does in my weaknesses. I don't need acceptance. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. And the reason why I don't need acceptance is because I'm not in this alone. Come here, church. The reason why you and I don't need acceptance is because we've already been accepted and we are in this and we are alive together with Christ. We're with him in this. He's walking with us. He's committed to us. So how can I continue to hold on to this sin? How can I continue to hold on to addictions in my life? Whatever it is, how can I continue to stay low? After a God who loves me so much. So all I can say is, church, come. Finally, come. Be accepted. Let God make you today, if you're not, let him make you alive together, not just in, but with Christ. With Christ. Look at verse 6 with me, and this is what I pray, again, that you get high on. Verse 4 and 5 just told us something powerful. It says, God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved you, that when you were dead, even when you were dead in sin, he made you alive together in Christ. And by grace, you have been saved. But then in verse 6, he says this, and he has raised us up. Come on. because though I'm down here I actually sit up there that's weird because though I'm living here I actually live for up there like that's not understandable to those in this world but he's raised us up together he's made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are raised up in Him. We are raised up what? With Him. With Him. With Him. That with, if it doesn't hit you now, it's going to hopefully hit you later. I've been raised up with Him. And he has seated me with him in heavenly places. All over scripture, it teaches us that Christ sits at the right hand of God the Father. The Father. So in this verse, it means that now I share, you share a measure of authority in Christ and with Christ. Come on. Well, who do you think you are to speak with such authority? Oh, you don't know who I sit, not in. With who do you think you are to pray over such a thing? You don't know who I sit with? Who do you 
think you are to live such a way? Who do you are to tell me those things? Who do you are to... Wait, do you not know who I sit with in heavenly places? I just didn't pray in Jesus' name. I pray in Jesus' name as I live with Jesus in his presence. I don't just live on earth, but I also sit with him in heavenly places, Ephesians teaches us. So, so, so I, I, I share in an authority that Christ has, that has been given to him by the Father. We now have an authority given through Jesus that I don't have to sit in my sin. Listen, I don't have to sit defeated among addiction. But church, I'm high up now. I got high on Jesus. And I sit in high places with him. So whatever you do to bring down a believer, whatever you do to bring me down, try your best because I'm not alone sitting in the seat next to me. I sit with Jesus. So if you can't bring him down, what thinks what makes you think that you have the authority to bring me down? I sit with him. And I share an authority with him. Listen, I've been raised up. I've been seated up in heavenly places with Jesus. If you're low today, get high on this truth. That when you're seated with Christ, man, your perspective changes. Come on. Your vision changes. The way you see things change. You know why some marriages don't get fixed? Because there's someone that's not seated with Christ. You want to know why some families don't get fixed? Because people are not seated with Christ. You want to know why some walks with Christ don't get stronger? Because people are not seated with Christ. Do you want to know why some friendships don't finally mend and get back to where they need to be? Because people are not seated with Christ. But when you're sitting with Christ and functioning in the authority of Christ, how can you not make things right and make things pure before God? We sit with Christ, church. And that affects everything that we do. From work to family to marriage to ministry to children to everything that we do. To friendships. To addictions, to sins. Our perspective and our vision changes. The way we see things change from the way that we used to see it. Come on. Because the things that you see from up here, seated in high places, are different from the things that you saw when you were down here, sitting in low places. When one is seated down in low places and another is seated high up, They both see the same thing. But that same thing looks different to both of them. Let me explain to you what I mean. They both see the same thing, but they both see it differently because something changes. And the perspective changes. What do I mean by this? It's very simple if you've ever been on a plane. See, one sees it from an elevated state. And from an elevated state looking down, When you look down on it, you see the victory in those things because of the one that you're with. That's why when when the United States is on a threat and they think that they're going to bomb the White House, one of the first things that they do is get the president of the United States into a plane, get him up. 
Because as long as he's up there, whatever they're bombing down there can affect them. So they put him up there on a plane, and they put some fighter jets with him. And from his plane, you could probably see the White House getting bombed. You could probably see all kinds of destruction. But you see, it looks different from up there than it does when you're confronting it down there. And when your perspective changes and when you sit in high places and you're in an elevated state, you look down on it and you get to see the victory in it when you're sitting in low places, when you're seating from a neutral state and that's how you're seeing it. You recognize it the same way the other one recognizes it, but listen to the difference. But you recognize it as a confrontation and you find difficulty finding victory in it. You see, it's difficulty finding victory in problems that you have when you face it from a neutral state. But it's so much easier to find victory in it when you get elevated and you sit with Christ in heavenly places and you get to see it with a different vision and a different perspective and you get to see everything that's around and where they're coming from that you would have never seen if you would have been on low places watching it eye to eye. I'm going to tell you something right now. Spiritually, get up get high, sit up on high places, get free, get out of your sin, get out of your addiction, because from up there, when you comes again, when it knocks again, and it comes to destroy you again, you'll see it differently, and you'll know how to attack it, because you'll see from all the different angles it's coming, but when you're sitting down here, and all you can see what's in front of you, you can't see what's behind you, get up on high places, get high on Jesus, sit up with Jesus in heavenly places. You'll find victory in it. The message says Proverbs 29, 18 this way. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, I like that because I could just switch that and say when they sit with him, they are most blessed. And that's why your conversations with people sound the way they do how come you think like that well why do you believe that and how do you do the things that you do and our answer to them is because I see from a different perspective than you up here I have faith down here I doubt up here I find victory down here I'm defeated and that's why when you minister to people and love them you're like what is it about you like I just sit with Jesus that's that's the result I sit up on on heavenly places and maybe you still sit you could tell that person and don't tell them that but in sinful earthly places and that's my my charge to you as I end this as I end this series it's this church get high because that seat up here is so much greater than the sin than the habit than the addiction listen to this no thrill no rush no feeling is better than the three points I gave you ready it's better than the riches of his mercy than his great love for us and his revivement him making us alive together with him nothing is better than those three things so if we and if others can just see the greater picture what the Lord wants to do in us what he has in store for us we could just get high on this truth 
I want everyone's eyes in Ephesians chapter 2. Go down to verse 10. Look how, it, how he ends this little rant here. He tells the church this. For we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus, not for bad, not for evil, not for dark works. You know how many people live to find out what their purpose is? You know how many people go on in life to try to figure out what they were created for? Here's the answer. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for has prepared beforehand that you should walk what? Remember how we started off? You once walked according to the course of this world. Verse 10. But you now walk according to his good works. I love this verse because for once, don't you ever think for once that, that this is what he's created you. He's created you like that. He's created you for this. Maybe you're here and you're like, well, how long am I going to be like this? Am I always going to be like this? And maybe you're here and you're saying, I'm always going to have this in my life or I'm always going to struggle or I guess this is just who I am. I have to just admit it already. I love what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2.9. You know what he writes to the church of Corinth? Eye has not seen nor ear has heard nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Don't think for once that you were supposed to continue to live in that sin, continue to be in that addiction. Paul quotes scripture and he says, for your eye has not even seen nor your ear has heard enter the heart the things that God has prepared for you. Jesus' own words, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. In the book of John, chapter 10. In John 10, verse 10. Jesus tells his followers this. He says, the thief, the thief comes to steal and kill and to destroy. But I came I came that they may have life and that they would have it abundantly. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and I want you to look deep within your soul, deep within your heart. Meditate. Don't, don't be distracted by anything around you, by anyone around you. But Jesus says in this verse that the thief comes to steal to do those things only to steal, kill and destroy but nowhere in scripture does John 10 tell us maybe today you can relate to this verse and say pastor that thief in my life is that sin that I've been carrying and that sin has been stealing from me killing and destroying Oh man, Pastor, 
addiction that I continue to carry, that's the thief in my life. And that addiction has been stealing, killing, and destroying. Whatever it is, Jesus says, but not me. I'm different than that thief. I came so that you will have life and that you will have it abundantly. How many of you today feel the call from God to sit together with Him? To be made alive together with Him? Then you can say, that's it, part six, addicted, I get it. Maybe you haven't been here for the first five. But God wanted you here for this one. And you know that this is you. And today you're like, I I need prayer. I want to be made alive together with Him. I need to see things from a different perspective. I got to live with Christ. Thank you, Lord, that even in my sin, you made me alive together with you. Today, your darkness is not too dark. Your depth of addiction or your depth of sin or your depth of bad habits or your depth of whatever it is, it's not too deep. Jesus says, I come to give you life today. And I come to bring it to an overflow abundantly. So if today you need to be with Jesus, together with him alive, seated with him, I'm going to tell you right now, don't even work, don't even look, don't even ask. Come up here, get on your knees. Come up here, raise up your hands, open up your heart. Let's come, let's believe, let's pray. And as you come up here, say, Lord, I want to be made alive together with you. Yo, 